Thank y'all very much. I was interesting. I was writing down the words of that one line of that last song. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and you reiterated that in your prayer. And that's so important, isn't it? The foundation of our life has to be built on God's love. And the, the love that we hear about in our culture is not always God's love, is it? Kind of a different type of love. Anyway, good song. Thank y'all for leading us. Well, this morning, um, you had the opportunity to witness um, an important process in our church's leadership. And it certainly, I want you to hear me say this, it is not a perfect process. <laughs> um, we're imperfect, aren't we? Newsflash for everybody, right? Uh, um, we're imperfect. We are broken as humans. We are live in a broken world, and we know that, but that is why we look to God, that's why we look to God and His Word in our brokenness to be whole again, to be, uh, to help us in our direction in a broken world, and that's important. And so, um, the New Testament indicates uh, in the early church, in that first century church, that leaders called elders and deacons were formally installed into these things called churches, and there weren't buildings then. I think most of y'all realize that, but maybe some of you don't. There weren't church buildings in that first century. People met in homes. They met in different places. But there weren't these buildings like we come to on Sunday. They didn't have those. It was something very new. But they wanted to be together. They wanted to build their life on, that, on God's foundation. And they needed leaders and people that could keep them um, on track and uh, in the direction of doing that. So they formally installed these leaders called elders and deacons and uh, their role uh, in the community. Um, and so they had guys come and lay hands on them. And the, cer the ceremony that we read about in the New Testament seems to be public where there were people that watched this and go, these are our leaders. We're a part of this body and this church we're followers of Jesus, and yeah, we need leaders. Paul might have started the church. Barnabas might have started the church. Peter might have started this church initially. But now they left, and they're starting other churches. And we need leaders here to lead us and hold us accountable. And uh, again, it was important. So in Acts 6, 6, it reads, They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So that's what, why we did what we did today. Now, I want you to think back for a minute when you've ever been a part of some sort of a ceremony that was public, where you were maybe com being commissioned or committing to something. That may have been your marriage ceremony. That might have been your graduation where you walked forward. Um, some of you may have been commissioned into the military. That's a, a very respectful and, and uh, you know amazing thing to watch somebody go through that service. Got to watch my son do that and a lot of other young men and women do that in the army when he was there. And it's like, wow, after that I was like, this is amazing. All these young men and women didn't have to do this, but they volunteered and committed to serve their country. Wow. Maybe you've been to somebody in law enforcement who has been part of that process, and that's a powerful thing. And so we've been a part of those things. Maybe even in, the, in scouts. Uh, my wife has for years been a Girl Scout leader, and every year they move from one part of the Girl Scouts to another, and they have this bridging ceremony. And that's a thing where these, these little girls say, yeah, I'm committed to doing this, and I finished this part this year, and now I'm going to this part. So we understand that, isn't it? It's an important part of our lives to say, we want to know who our leaders are. We want to know when we leave one thing that's important to go to the next thing that's important. So that's why we have done what we've done 
today. And this uh, ordination is a public recognition before you as a congregation. And even if you're not a member here, this is important for you to be here and witness this. And to understand that these men are, are men that God has sent, however, to our church, leaders to our church, to take care of the spiritual aspects of leading the church. And then men who are deacons who are uh, led to take care of the serving aspects of the church. And both are necessary in functioning as the church the way God designed it. He always wanted there to be elders and deacons. And I feel pretty good about if that started in the first century and we're in the 21st century and we're still doing it that way, that's pretty good. It's not perfect, but that's pretty good we're still doing it. And I'm glad we do it the way that we do. <clears throat> and so, of course, the uh, the laying on of hands is another way of commissioning and affirming the, these choice of individuals for the task. And the, the process of ordination is a way for us as a Christian community to prepare and impress upon those newly selected elders and deacons um, their responsibilities. It's not just a title. It's not just a role they have. It is really some responsibilities that go with that. And this process is also to encourage and remind these men that they're going to need something other than just their own strength to do this. They need another source of wisdom and strength to fulfill their roles and, and duties and responsibilities. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's also an opportunity for us as a church family, y'all, to know who our church leaders are. Last year when we did this, we said, hey... If you're an elder and deacon in the, and you go to the first service normally, we'll ordain you in that service. But if you go to the second service, we'll ordain you in that service. But this year we say, well, hold on a second. We want everybody to see who our leaders are in both services. Because it's not just serving or shepherding one group of people in one service. And some of us kind of go to different services anyway. But it's everybody. So that's why we did it that way this year. Um, and so these leaders are here as an elder to shepherd you. And as a deacon, to serve you and your family. And we should take time to know them, to call on them when we need them, rely on them. But we also have a responsibility to, and this is a difficult word in our culture, submit to them. Submit to them as they are attempting to shepherd us. They are attempting to serve us. So we need to be a part of helping them and submitting to them when they're trying to lead us. And if you've ever been a leader, it's hard, isn't it? Some people that are under your leadership don't necessarily want you to be their leader. They don't necessarily want to do that. And nobody tells me what to do. That's hard. And so we need to encourage them in that. And they are um, being, we should also hold them accountable to their character. We should hold them accountable to their res uh, responsibilities and fulfilling those. And as we've been talking about in this sermon series, work is worship. This work that they do within the church outside of their daily Work, whatever they do, is work, but it's a form of their worship to God and, and helping us. And so we want to, uh, they need to understand that. And they're trying to live above reproach in every aspect of their lives, and that's difficult. Um, recently, our elders have been going through a video series in our meetings on Wednesday nights called Healthy Elders and Deacons. And it was a series that um, we watched that was taught by a um, guy named Jill, Jim Dalrymple, who is a New Testament professor at Ozark Bible. Oh, Ozark, a few more of those. But First Peter and Acts, all those things talking about the church. It says, the Bible seems to prioritize the character 
over the specific duties and roles. Now, obviously, the, the character is important, but that character combines with the execution of those duties and those roles and those responsibilities of, a, of an elder and deacon is so much more important than just having this honorific title or position. Like, I've got this title. No, it's something that you need to show that it's not just a title or position. Now, you probably heard in several of those um, texts about living above reproach. And that may seem like a uh, kind of an archaic or outdated term. I mean, I don't use above reproach in my daily conversation to you. You know, now I may say things like that guy has a lot of integrity. That lady has a lot of integrity. I really like her character. I really like his character, but I don't say they're above reproach. It just kind of seems archaic, but when you really think about it in the terms it was used in the original Greek, it was it was really important. And it describes uh, what elders and deacons are supposed to be in their character. Um, and it's, uh, what does that mean, though, to be above reproach? Well, it means to stay above. It means to stay away from blame or accusation or criticisms of something that would disqualify you and your character in leading or serving people in Christian community. you got to be above that. You're not going to get involved in things where people can accuse you or go, what? And, and we understand this. How many folks in our culture today who are leaders, whether it be teachers or coaches or law enforcement or politicians, we get frustrated with them. Why do we get frustrated with them? You're my leader. You're supposed to be leading me. You're supposed to be setting the example. You're supposed to be above reproach. And then I hear all this scandal that you're doing behind. I elected you to be my leader. And you're supposed to be showing me the way and you're not doing it. And how do we feel about those people afterwards? Like, what a joke. What a joke. And that's sad, isn't it? We don't want to feel like our leaders are, are jokes and they don't really take it seriously. So it's so important, not only in our world, but especially in the church. And so for elders, this includes this um, being above reproach uh, shows that they should be showing and displaying consistently in their lives that they're maturing as a disciple of Christ. See that word maturing? It's a process, isn't it? Nobody ever reaches that in this life. Well, we finally reached it. No. As soon as I think I'm doing pretty good, I do something to screw it up, don't I? I'm, I'm gonna, I know I need to always. So your elders should be showing there. They need to be taught. They need to continue to learn and be maturing. But they're also able to teach and protect the gospel of Christ. That means, do you, I don't know if you realize this, but the elders in our church need to listen to my sermons and make sure that what I'm teaching is Bible and not some self-help book that I got off the Internet on Saturday night that I'm teaching you about. Not saying those aren't helpful sometimes, but you know what I'm saying. And they need to know that people are teaching in Sunday school, people who are teaching down there to our kids, that are teaching our teenagers, are teaching God's Word. And again, not some self-help thing that they got off the Internet or TikTok or whatever. That's important. That's part of what they do as shepherds. And then they also have, need to have evidence of Christ and the Holy Spirit's control in their life. That means you might see somebody like, saying something to them and like, oh man, I can't believe they just said that to them. And they don't respond in a way you might think they would respond. They show control and they show that kind of um, uh, characteristic that would be above reproach in that situation. And then also they should show a good reputation with outsiders. That means when someone's in your, you go, oh, Mr. Smith is an elder in our church, I understand that. But you tell somebody outside the church that Mr. Smith's one of your elders and they go, Mr. Smith is an elder in your church? That's not what you want to hear, is it? No, so, oh, I can understand that. 
He has great character. He's above reproach. And deacons, this includes showing and displaying again consistently in their life a good reputation among people, not just in the church, but outside of the church. Again, we don't want people saying, they're a deacon in your church? You know, say, oh, they're a deacon in your church? Well, you know, they serve in this club and that thing in the community, and they help at our, in our neighborhood, and they see, yeah, I can understand that. One who is full of or led by the Holy Spirit to serve. They're not serving out of, oh, I got to be, oh, I got to go to the church and help do work day, or I got to go to the church and do this. And, you know, there's this old lady that needs a handicap wrap built at her house, and we got to go do that. No, you know, oh, man, we get to do this, and why don't you come help me serve this lady? And one who is full of or led by godly wisdom in serving. They think about, God, I need your wisdom in this situation. How do we best serve this situation or these people? So the bottom line is, is this leader that leads your church or whatever it is, but specifically we're talking about in our church today, is this leader someone who sincerely follows Christ in their life and that I can follow them as they follow Christ. Paul said in a lot of his letters, and it sounded arrogant. I remember being a kid and reading this in the Bible the first time. I'm like, man, Paul's kind of cocky. Because he goes, follow me as I follow Jesus. He wasn't being cocky. He wasn't being arrogant. He was going, no, seriously. I understand the responsibility I have. And as long as I'm following Jesus, you should be following me. But you need to see Jesus in the way I follow. You need to see Jesus in me. That's somebody I will follow. I know they're not perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. He admitted that. But he says, I'm following Jesus. And you follow me as long as I'm following Jesus. If I'm not following Jesus, don't follow me. And that's what we need to see in our leaders. Follow me as I follow Christ. So in summary, the Bible teaches leadership consisting of a group. And this is important for us to understand this. There's a group of elders along with a group of deacons who serve the church. But it's not contrary to this group of elders to have um, one of the elders or more than one of the elders in some sort of a ministerial or pastoral role. That's what my role is, and that's what James's role is, and um, Jonathan's role is. And we have different ministers that work at the church. And so um, you have a group of people, and they have different gifts as the church is given. We read in Acts where he calls some to be preachers and teachers, but also some to be missionaries. And we've commissioned people like Martha Wade and others to go out into the world and be missionaries. And he gives them gifts. And thus a church may have many elders, but not all elders are called to preach. But as one of the elders, the pastor or the teaching elder... I don't have any more authority than any of our other leaders. I'm one of the leaders, and I need other people, so we hold each other accountable. No one person has authority, and that's a, a good way of doing leadership, so no one person can have the authority and think they're above everybody. That can be problematic. And so when we study church history, particularly in that first century, we see that the early church always had a group, a plurality, if you will, of elders and deacons in the local church. And those were the only two recognized roles, elders and deacons. Yeah, there were a lot of different gifts and people did that, but those were the two um, roles. And when the local churches uh, practiced the historical and more importantly, the biblical practice of independence under the authority of multiple elders and multiple deacons, we are operating in the simplest and most efficient manner while still maintaining accountability. Now think about that. The way God designed it to be in that first century was simple, efficient, and a way to maintain accountability. Accountability is important, isn't it? I can't just say this stuff and say, I, you know, there's nothing that drives our kids worse is than when we tell them to do something and we don't do it, right? 
Nobody likes to see that. Nobody wants to hear you tell me to do that, but yet you're not going to do it. There has to be accountability. And having a group of elders and a group of deacons to hold each other accountable, and then you, as a member of this church, and even as a attender of this church, you have a responsibility to hold your leaders accountable to what they do. And you should be able to go to one of them and say, Hey, I was there when you got ordained. I heard those scriptures, and I just saw this, and we ought to be able to hold them accountable. Again, they're not perfect, but we ought to be able to hold people accountable. So as, um, as going forward with that, elders need accountability from one another as they shepherd under the great shepherd who is Jesus, and deacons need accountability as they serve under the great servant, which Jesus was both, a shepherd and a servant. And as far as our, our process here at Southwest and getting to this point, it's not a perfect process, again, as I said. Um, some of you have been here a while, and you know and understand the process, and you go, yeah, we do this every year. And others of you may be new here, and you're going, what are they doing this morning? I don't understand that. Why are they doing it? I'm hoping you kind of got a better picture of that this morning. But others of you have maybe been here a while, but you went to a, a different uh, place to worship over the years, and you said, we didn't do that at our church. We did it this way at our church. Why are they doing it that way? And I get that. It's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just different for you. And so you have to kind of process that if you've been somewhere else for that process. And so we've attempted, again, to stay with what we believe is biblical in this process. And we've made, uh, if you know, about eight weeks ago in July, uh, that may be more than eight weeks, but we made those scriptures available, uh, talk about the character and the roles that um, elders and deacons serving. We made those available to you. Says, hey, I want you to be looking for people that you think fulfill those, have those characteristics and can fulfill those roles. And we asked people um, if they knew of somebody to give them to our, our team, our nominating team. And then that would go before, went before our elders and our deacons. And then we put those names out there. And for two weeks, you had the opportunity to come and say, hey, that person, I'm not going to follow Jesus if that person's there. Okay, we gave people two weeks to do that, or I have a problem with this. And we don't always know those things, but you had the opportunity. We do that every year. And no one came forward and told us that, that they didn't think any of those people. So that's kind of how we do what we do. And so those names were submitted. But at this point, I want to ask you to pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders because they need it. It's not an easy job. They have jobs outside of the church they have things they do outside of the church, but yet they're taking on this role and these responsibilities. So they need your prayer. Um, they also uh, need you to submit to their authority. And not in a way that's lorded over them, that's clear in Scripture, but that you say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of the team. I'm going to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And I, if, you're, if you're shepherding me, I want to be a part of that. If you're going to be uh, leading me in service, I want to be part of that as part of the body of Christ. And so, and I also want you to know that myself and our elders and our deacons and our staff, we're always available to meet with you, you know, always. Our offices are open. We're willing to meet with you if you have a concern about the process or whatever it is. So, I want to really challenge y'all this morning. You have a year. You have a year as a church with these new folks that are your leaders to watch them. Your job is to watch them. Yes, participate with them, encourage them, submit to them, but your job is to watch them and make sure that they are having the character they're supposed to have as your leaders, that they are doing the things that they're supposed to do as, as, as your leaders. <clears throat> uh, they have a title and they have a role, 
But what will you see this year in their character? Does it match those texts that we read from Peter and, and, and Timothy and Titus? Are they um, fulfilling their role as a shepherd, as a servant? Are they actively involved in the life of the church? Are they part of a welcoming environment for others and creating a safe place where people who are maybe uh, not believers who have some questions about things that we're not going to go, what kind of question is that? No, you would provide a safe environment. Ask your questions. Let's look at that together. What, is, what does God's Word say about that? Um, are you creating a safe place for people who need to hear the gospel message of Christ feel comfortable coming as they process that? Are they worshiping God with you? Do you see them in worship with you? Do you see them singing with you on Sunday morning, whether it's this service or the other service? Are they serving others with you when we do service projects and things in the church? Do you see your elders and deacons at those things with you? Do you see them building community with you? You see how I did that? That's our taglines. Worship God, serve others, and build community. You should see your leaders doing all of those things. When we have the fall festival, are they there? When we go on a mission trip, are some of those guys able to go with you? Um, when we have a work day, are those guys there? Do you see those folks doing that? Are they building community with you? Some of y'all may remember back in May, um, we had a special speaker here uh, named Leroy Lawson. And if you remember, he preached a sermon for us. I don't know if any of y'all remember, but it's the name of the sermon was A Church Fit for My Grandkids. Some of y'all probably remember that now. He's, a, he's so fun to listen to. And as he talked about that church fit for his grandkids, he was, he's in his 80s, and he speaks all over the country all the time. But he says, I want the church to continue, and I want it to be a church that I grew up in. And if y'all remember, he talked about his home church in Tillamook, I believe I may be butchering that name, but Oregon. I know it was Oregon. And he says, I grew up in a great church. And he says, as a young man, my parents were divorcing. And I was a young man trying to process all that. And I went to a church where they loved me. They welcomed me. They provided a safe place for my questions as I was wondering, what's happening with my parents? Why are they splitting up? Why is God letting this happen? What is, what's going on? And he felt loved and safe as he processed that. And he recognized over the years the sacrifices that were made by the leaders and by the adults there so that there would be a church for the kids in the future. And so that's important for us to have good leaders now. And as I think about that, who was for you growing up a great leader for you that you look back on and you say, man, I remember Mr. I remember Miss. I remember she was my Sunday school teacher. He was my, um, you know, youth uh, group uh, coordinator, whatever, youth sponsor, whatever. And we start thinking about those people and go, why did they do that? Well, they loved God, they loved me, and they loved the church. And that's why they did that. They were leaders. And it, and it may not just have been in the church. How many of us have teachers that really made an impression on us at our school or coaches or scout leaders or whatever it may be, you know? band leaders, all those kind of things. We go, those people did that, and they were great leaders, and I, I'm so glad. And now I want to give some. I want to pay it forward. I want to do that for other people because of the people that invested to me. That's what true leaders do. And so now it's an opportunity for us to be that for somebody else. So you need to know your leaders. Now, you saw some of their faces, and I hope you won't forget, but we have this great thing Mike talked to us about. We have this app called Church Directory, Okay. So I'm going to get on you a little bit. If you have not had your picture made for that, do it. 
You need to do that. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you're coming here occasionally or on a regular basis and you haven't decided you want to be a member yet, that's okay, but we want your, your name and your picture in here so we can go, oh, I know who that is. It's a great app, and, and I, I've told you all, I say it all the time, I cheat with this, okay? Because with 500 people or more in the church, I go, oh, my gosh, what's their name? Oh, yeah, hey, Mr. Smith, how you doing? You know, act like I know who you are. So you can do that, and it helps. And so you just saw these guys today, and they're listed on our, on our website, and you go, who is Mr. Smith? And you look, and you go with the thing, oh, that's Mr. I know who that guy is. And you connect a name with a face. So we need to use, God gives us technology, right? And we should use it for his kingdom. So I want to encourage y'all to get to know who your leaders are as they get to know you. And that goes for your leaders too. You, you better have your picture in there if you're one of our leaders. And you better have the church app, all right? That's probably going to be in the first meeting. We're going to stop the meeting. Go, okay, until you get the app, we're not going anywhere. Hold them hostage in there. So I want to close this morning with a text from Paul's letter um, to the Ephesian church. And it's chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And this wasn't necessarily written to leaders, elders, and deacons alone, but it was written to a church, and Paul's trying to get them to understand how important it is for all of us to be a part of the body of Christ. Listen to the words to this fourth chapter. He says, and he's in prison as he's writing this. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does, it, does its work. Man, how unifying is that passage? It's not just talking to elders and deacons in there, is it? It's saying, you, you're part of the body, then we're all supposed to be completely humble, working towards being mature, understanding that I'm just a part, one of the parts, but the many parts that makes this beautiful thing, this picture, this bride that God has created called the church work. And everybody needs to be a part of that. So at this point, I'm going to offer an invitation, as we always do. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we want to give you that opportunity. Uh, and I'm going to ask the 
uh, our band to come on up as we're getting ready to go into a time of communion. Or maybe you're looking for a church home, and maybe you heard that, what we just read in, in Ephesians, and you go, man, that is that sounds like a great church. I would like to be a part of that. Well, guess what? We're not that. <laughs> we are not. But that's what we're trying to do, and we're not going to lower the bar. That's our bar that God has set for us, and we're going to try to be mature, and we're going to try to be humble, and we're always going to have that bar for us to be. That's what we want to be. But if you're looking for a church home and you want to be a part of striving for that with us, we offer that invitation as well. And so I'm going to be here. If you have a decision to make, I'll be right here. But also what we're getting ready to do after this song is we're going to take communion. If you're here maybe for the first time and you're not familiar with that or maybe you don't do it at your church every week, that's okay. But if you would like to participate in it with us today, we invite you to do it. You don't have to be a member of our church. But we do this every week because we believe in that early church they practiced taking the Lord's uh, Supper together whenever they worshiped to help them remember what Jesus asked them to remember. And that's how much he loved us enough to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to give us forgiveness, to give us reconciliation, to restore us with God the Father, and then through his resurrection give us eternal life. So we're going to remember that, and some folks will be passing that to you in trays, and you can take that and hold the bread, hold the cup, and when you're ready you can take it, and then they'll come back later and collect those cups. So I'm going to ask you all to stand at this time, and let's prepare our hearts with this song for that time of communion. And if you do have um, a decision to make, I'll be right here to try to walk you through it.